Uh, I've been a part of camps for a long time, not only just going as a camper uh, myself, but leading camps. I've been, I've been leading camps for a long time, I, like 20 years. Uh, I've, been, I've been involved in leading camps and doing camps, and there is something special every time, but this camp specific had something really unique really special. The kids really were there for each other, supporting each other, going deep, uh, and, and really entering in with what God had for them. So I am so proud of the time. I know we made memories that will last a lifetime. Uh, I have some memories uh, of camps going up when I was a kid. I went to Camp Cedar Crest um, most of the time. Uh, I also, we went to the Oaks a couple times, and I, and I have some great memories of some camps. Uh, I actually remember uh, some imagery that I used. There is a, an illustration that I was actually a leader at the camp, but there was an illustration at a camp once that I remember as being younger as one of my most favorite illustrations that impacted my life, and it was done by Pastor Greg. Uh, Pastor Greg did an illustration with uh, some lighting uh, and some candles, uh, and I was actually able to do an illustration based off of that at this camp, and it was profound and it was powerful. Um, but even as adult, I, there are things that happened at camps that I remember that, that changed my life, that stick with me even to this day. And the story that I shared with our young people, because um, as Jenny mentioned, there we had spots to uh, kind of have some some talks from, from really all the pastors. And I just want to also give a shout out to the pastors of our church, uh, Pastor Tim, Pastor Sharon, Pastor Mark, Deb, um, for s just supporting me. There, I don't know other churches where like the senior pastor comes to youth camp. So I just want to give it up to them. Can we, can we give it up to them? Um, not only that, did they come to support, come to be there, come to hang out, but they actually all took turns speaking into the lives of our young people, uh, sharing some pivotal moments in their life. Camp, uh, our camp was called Pivotal. Um, some pivotal moments in, in their lives um, that could have broken them, uh, but turned the situation around and were able to then focus on God. Uh, and I think we all have some of those pivotal moments in our lives. Uh, where there can be something going on that could seem like it could break down who we are. It seems like it could break down our life. It seems like it could change us uh, in such a drastic and negative way. Um, and in those moments, God wants you to know that he is still with you. God wants you to know that he is drawing you close. God wants you to know that you are still loved, you are still cared for, and he can help turn the situation around. Uh, we heard a, a lot of crazy stories, um, and it goes to make us realize that the people that you see around, that you think uh, should, should have it all together, have gone through some some, some wild situations. Uh, and we, we think in our minds that, oh, this person has everything put together, or that person has everything put together. They, they must not have known the trouble that I've gone through in my life, or that people can't relate. But when we start to open up, we realize that we have a lot in common. Now, everyone's story is unique. Everyone's story is special. But when we start to open up to each other, we realize that we have a connection point, and God is there with us through it all.
Uh, I, I want to share a little bit. I shared a, a pivotal moment in my life with these young people. Uh, when I was in high school, I, I had the plans of maybe, I don't know, going on to some type of mathematics, maybe some type of engineering. I, I took my AP calculus and all, all of those things, and I kind of had my eyes set on that. Um, so in school, that, that was kind of my thing, and that's kind of what I was looking towards. Uh, my personal things going on, I, I had some hobbies. I loved skateboarding. Uh, I, was, I would skate around. The very first pharmacy ride shop uh, would, would sponsor me with like some free, free stuff and free gear, and I would you know, skate around with, with their gear, and it was really cool. Um, and that kind of defined a, a lot of who I was. I hung out with a lot of other skateboarders in high school. Uh, and then I started playing music. Me and uh, Pastor Tim were in a, in a punk rock band in high school. Oh, yeah. Uh, I started playing some music. And, and any time I was near live music, I would always just get captivated by the band. And I, and I still lo I love live music to this day. I, I don't even have to know the, the band. I don't have to know the, the style so much. If, if you're playing live music, I appreciate that. And, and it's really cool. And, I, and I'm always uh, drawn to that. Well, in this moment of my life, I'm kind of a skater. I'm kind of uh, getting into music. And I kind of don't know what I want to do after high school. I had some ideas, um, possibly. And our church goes to what is called a summit. So it wasn't necessarily a camp, but it was like a camp type experience, our summit. And it was at Angelus Temple. It was at uh, Four Squares First Church. Uh, and that church just uh, celebrated their centennial this year. It's still there, still celebrating. And that's the, obviously the, the celebration of Foursquare in general also, 100 years. It's really cool, really powerful. So this is, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the kids laugh. Some of you guys older people, like, it's not going to make you laugh. But this was in the 1900s. <laughs> oh, oh, can't even imagine the 1900s. Um, Um, and we go to this event at, at Angelus Temple. And I remember the event, and I, 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 what I remember uh, is, is it changes through, the, through this story. So at first, because you know, I mentioned I like music, I still like music. Uh, at first, I, I was just drawn to the band. Now, I was drawn to the band in a way that was not necessarily worshipful. I, it was cool, they were playing worship music, but I was drawn to this one guitar player. His name was Greg Russinger, he's a great worship leader, and, and I admired him, but not necessarily because he was great at leading worship, I admired his guitar playing skills. And I very vividly remember that this, there's thousands of seats. There's the floor section, there's the balcony section, and there's the stage, and there's thousands of people around. People are responding in, in many different ways. People are worshiping, there's all this stuff going on. And I vividly remember watching Greg Russinger play his guitar, and I'm not necessarily worshiping. I'm watching and seeing the chords that he's playing. And the band is, sounds amazing. And I'm like, this sounds so cool. This is awesome. What's going on? And I'm looking intently, and I'm realizing, because I'm just like kind of getting into music more, and I'm realizing the band sounds amazing, 
But at the same time, I look, and he's playing the same four chords over and over again. He's just playing a G, a D, an E minor, and a C. And I'm like, how do they sound so good? And he's just playing four chords. And he's playing those same four chords over and over and over again. How do they sound so good? And I, and I remember thinking this in my head. I wasn't paying attention to the other people worshiping. I wasn't paying attention to my friends. We're up there on the balcony section. And the whole event, that's the number one thing going through my mind. Remember it vividly like it was yesterday. Just worried about the guitar playing and the four chords he's playing. And in that moment, I heard God speak to me. And I, and, I, and I start the story in this way because sometimes we can press in. Sometimes we can worship and we can give God our all. And you know Psalm 100 says when you give God your thanksgiving, when you give God your praise, you enter into his courts, you enter into his presence, then you could hear his voice. For me, I wasn't doing that, though. Sometimes it's just not like that. I was looking at the four chords he was playing. And still, God had a calling on my life. And God said to me, you are going to do this one day. And I'm hearing God's voice. I'm like, what's going on? I'm up on the balcony. Uh, I'm just watching the guitar playing. And God is speaking to me. And, I'm, and I have a conversation. I have a dialogue in my head. I'm like, what do you mean do this? Like, I'm going to play guitar? Because I'm looking at him play guitar. Uh, and, and God actually said no to that. I mean, not that the answer was no to that, but that's not what he was talking about. And I said, well, have, have an event at a church? And, and, and it was, the answer was no to that, although I've done events. It's, it wasn't that he was saying no to that. He's saying that's not what I'm talking about. And then I heard God specifically say, your life is going to be used to minister to other people. And as soon as God said that to me, I saw what was going on in the room, and I realized that there were people on their knees worshiping. I realized that there were young people changing their lives and giving their hearts to Jesus. I realized at this event there was something powerful going on for the first time I realized it, and it wasn't just the, the band playing music, and it wasn't just four chords. And I heard God speak to me and say, you are going to serve people. I heard God say, you are going to minister to people with your life. And, and I didn't know what that looked like. Uh, I, I kind of changed some plans quickly. Um, I started playing guitar on my youth worship team because I wanted, I wanted that gifting. I still wanted to use what I liked to serve God because I loved playing music. Um, but God changed my plan, and I didn't go on to do any mathematics or engineering. I went to Bible college, uh, and I am now a licensed Foursquare minister. Uh, I get to work with young people, and I get to do events like camps. I get to do events like uh, fun things, and I get to have church, and I get to speak into the lives of young people. And for me, that was a pivotal moment. For me, that changed my life. And God has pivotal moments in our lives. Not everyone in here is going to get called to ministry. Not everyone in here is going to become a licensed pastor. Um, so some of the stories that other pastors shared didn't even have anything to do with uh, being called to, to serve God or, or to do anything like that. But we all have pivotal moments in our lives that sometimes change the trajectory of where we're going. 
Sometimes we could choose in a pivotal moment in our life to walk away from God or press into God. Uh, sometimes we can, as God gives us a choice, we can run away from that or we can choose that. And the reason that our camp was called Pivotal was not because of the pivotal moments in our lives, but we need to choose to make our relationship with God the most pivotal thing in our lives. So with that, I'm going to open us up to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. All of you great theologians in this room already know this section of Scripture, I'm sure. Matthew chapter 22. You can scroll down to verse 34. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. I'm sure you guys all, all have heard this story before. For the sake of the rest of us, I'm just going to read this. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. So Jesus is kind of gaining some followers and popularity, uh, starting to change things. And these religious leaders at the time were caught up in their tradition and in their religion, and they wanted to catch Jesus making a mistake. So they say to him this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses. And Jesus replied, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. These Pharisees were trying to catch Jesus. They thought they would put him on his back foot, try to be like, well, I can't say one thing because I'm going to offend you if I don't say all of these other things. But no, Jesus knew his answer, he stood his ground, didn't hesitate, and he said, not only am I going to tell you the most important commandment, but I'm going to tell you there's actually a second commandment that is just as important. The most pivotal thing in your life should be your relationship with God, and you need to give him your whole heart, soul, and mind. So, if you are taking notes this morning, I know in youth group I normally hand out papers. I didn't do that because we're not on our Ephesians series at camp. We had notebooks. If you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to go through uh, a little bit uh, of a teaching on these three words, and I think this will bring us some power on how we can connect with God in some new, deeper ways. I'm going to go through and talk about how we can love God with our heart, how we can love God with our soul, and how we can love God with our mind. I'm going to start with heart, and, and I went through this with the, the young people. Uh, I did take Greek in college, uh, not, not fluent in it by any means. I could, I could say my Greek alphabet. I said it for the young people at camp. I'm not going to do it right now, but I am going to try to pronounce these words for you guys. So the Greek word for heart that is used in this passage is cardia. If you were going to transliterate it, it would be K-A-R-D-I-A. Now, this is important because these three words are all brought up separately. So I think if the 
Bible is saying that we need to love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind, that there's going to be some intricacies and some differences in that and how we can draw close to God. So if we're learning about this word cardia, and this means our heart, um, in Scripture, it is used as heart um, 159 times. And it is coming from this idea of the center of who we are. It says this is the organ that is the center of the circulatory system. Now, I'm not a medical person at all, but I think even a non-medical person understands that your heart is right here in the center of your body. Your heart is a strong muscle that can pump your blood, pump your life through. Um, that's about as much as I know about medical things. The organ is the center of the circulatory system also. The center, and this is as you start reading what they mean by saying this word cardia in the Greek, the center of all physical and spiritual life. The center of all physical and spiritual life. Also, when you look up this word cardia, looking at the Greek meaning heart, it says the middle, the central, or the innermost part of something. The innermost part of something. So if you were to think of who you are, who you, what your life is, how you act, the innermost part of who you are is the heart. The heart. When you think about the heart, that is the center of your body. That is the center of your spiritual life. So that is the innermost part of who you are. And if we are supposed to love God with our whole heart, that means we are going to love God from our innermost being, from the very deepest part of who we are. So if you've struggled with things like having to put on a show or put on a mask or act a certain way, let me tell you, you are struggling with something that is only on the surface and it is not what God desires. What God desires is your heart. What God desires is the innermost part of who you are. What God desires is the center of who you are. So if you heard Asher's story, just trying to say, like, I, I felt all this weight of trying to act a certain way, so I put on this face, I put on this, this good front. God does not want to play games. He does not want um, you to have to try to put on something that is fake. He wants you genuinely who you are, your innermost being. You don't have to change who you are. You don't have to put on something fake or false. God wants you as you are, genuinely coming to him, saying, God, this is who I am the very center of all that I have, I bring it to you. And you know what? Sometimes when we're genuine, when we're real, when we're raw, sometimes those things aren't perfect. Sometimes those things kind of have some, some dirt and grime built up. Sometimes those things have some darkness trying to overshadow things. But when you learn to come to God genuinely with the center of who you are and you say, God, I give this to you. Then he will redeem, he will forgive, he will clean, he will purify, he will make you as he intended. And God wants that and he wants to see you thrive. We talked about um, 
last Sunday. I think the adults did also. We talked about purity. Sometimes purity, um, when you talk about like substances, you talk about gold or something like that, if it has imperfections in it, it, it's purity, it's not 100% pure anymore. It has the, some some other substances that got mixed in. It lowers its quality. Uh, If you were to purify that, the, the way that you would do it is you would melt it down. And then after you melt it, then you could take out the imperfections and then it could re-solidify. Sometimes when we're coming to Jesus and, and saying, I'm coming to you with my innermost being, with all that I am, sometimes he wants to help us go through that process of purification and sometimes it might have to heat up for a little bit. Sometimes it might be tough. But the process he's going to take you through will be worth it. And that solid gold bar at the end will be worth it. And God will do that for you every single time you come to him. God will do that for you every single time you come to him. He will forgive over and over again. He loves you so much and he wants the best for you. Come to God with your whole heart, with the center of who you are. If we're going to talk about giving God our soul, as we look to scripture in Greek, it is suke. The transliteration is P-S-Y-C-H-E, suke. It is used in scriptures 58 times to mean your soul, 40 times life, uh, three times mind, and one time even heart. Um, This is a response to God giving us life. Now, if you think about the center of who you are and your heart being the center of your physical body, the soul is who you are as a person. You actually, uh, when God breathed life into us, into humanity, he gave you an eternal soul. That eternal soul is going to live long past your body does. And if you know Jesus, your eternal soul is going to be in relationship with God forever. But if you have not accepted Jesus, your eternal soul is going to be separated from God forever. So if you think about how I'm going to worship God with my soul, I have to think about something that is more long-term than in the moment. I have to think about something that is going to be long-lasting and not just present. I have to think about something that means a little bit more than just uh, living for now, but living for my forever. Um, When you learn about our soul. Our soul is our essence, which is different from our body. Uh, Our soul is the seat of our feelings, desires, affections, and aversions. When you look at this Greek word suke, it says it is the seat of your feelings, desires, affections, and aversions. God has created us all different and unique. An easy way to say that is our likes and our dislikes. It's kind of who you are as a person. And the reason we have this soul is because God breathed into us the breath of life. And the way that I like to talk about giving, loving God with our whole soul, because if Jesus says you're going to love God with your whole heart, I'm starting to understand that. That's my innermost being. That's that's the center of who I am. But if I'm going to love God with my soul, I have to think about long term. I have to think about maybe not something, and, and this is kind of our lives in general. Not something that is going to be moment, momentary, but something that's going to be long-lasting. And that's kind of how, how sin can get into our lives also. We think about trying to find a momentary pleasure rather than something that's good in the long run. So if you think about 
loving God with your whole soul, and it says it is the seat of our likes and our dislikes, our affections, our aversions, our feelings, and our desires, we need to start coming to God and saying, this is, this is how I feel. These are the things I like. These are the things I don't like. Does that align with who you are? If the things that you like, your, your affection, the things that you like are not holy, then you need to start changing those things. If the things that you don't like are taking you away from something that God has for you, then maybe you need to start changing those things. If you're going to love God with your whole soul, then the things that you like and dislike should align with what God has for you. Then the way that you live your life should align with what God has for you. Now again, God will take you as you are. He loves you as you are, but he also wants to see you change for the better. He wants to see you grow. He wants to see you draw close. He wants to see you take some of those things that maybe you like that are destructive, and he wants to see a change in your soul, the things that you like. He wants to see a change in the likes that aren't pleasing to him to the things that are pleasing to him. And you know what God really likes? He likes you. He cares for you. But he, he really likes it when you are kind to others. Now, uh, at camp, I, I did the whole other section where um, loving others as, as yourself is the second greatest commandment. I'm probably not going to get into that with you guys this morning. But, but when we talk about um, things that align with what God says, God says that we should be selfless instead of selfish. God says that we should look to help others rather than look to help ourselves. God says we should look to serve rather than being served. Jesus modeled this time and time again, right? In a time where they did not have fancy Converse or Nikes, they just had some crusty sandals and some crusty toes. Jesus got down on his hands and knees. <laughs> Jesus got down on his hands and knees and did something that was, that was gross that could have been seen as disgusting. But he didn't let that stop him from serving the people he was caring for. And he got down and he washed some dirty feet. He time and time again looked to help and elevate others. He time and time again looked to love. But he loved so much he didn't want people to stay the same as they were. He said, go and change and be better and tell other people. There's a better way. God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to get stuck in your addictions. He doesn't want you to get stuck uh, being chained up. He doesn't want you to get stuck holding bitterness and negativity and hatred. He wants to free you from those things and allow his love to wash through your life so that you can be loving and caring to the people around you, so that you can take the positivity of what he has done for you and let that emanate as joy in your life. I love talking to our young people about the fruit of the Spirit. Because when we learn about the fruit of the Spirit, this is how God wants us to live. And if these words are troublesome to you, then these are some of the things that God wants to take your likes and your dislikes and make them grow for you. Now, we're not all going to be the best at everything. But, but in terms of fruit of the Spirit, we should try to draw close to them, right? Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God wants those things for you. He wants you to, to take your life and give it to him. I, I love talking about this with our young people because in certain areas of your life, you can take the gospel message to where it couldn't have gone before. I talk to our young people. Some of our, some of our people in the outlet are great athletes. They can take the love of Jesus to those, to those teams, uh, to your softball team, to your volleyball team, to your soccer team, to your dance team, to your cheer group, to all of those things. You can take the love of God with you to a place where it might not have been before. And the same thing is true for us. You can take the love of God with you into your workplace, into your families, into your gathering times, into the grocery store, wherever it is you're going, you can take the love of Jesus with you and impact the world around you. God wants you to do that. And if it wasn't you, who's it going to be? God wants you to use your giftings, your talents, and where you're going to share the love of Jesus. For me, uh, I, I like music, and I want to turn and give that to God. So you see me up here playing, playing guitar. Not, not the best guitar player, but I still, what I have, I'm going to give it to God. If you are into the things that you're into, you like doing your makeup, give that to God. If you like doing your video games, give that to God. Let God use you in those areas, and we can start aligning not just the momentary, but our eternal soul with what God has for us. The other one is our mind. In Scripture, our mind is uh, this Greek word, dianoia. Dianoia, the transliteration is D-I-A-N-O-I-A, Dianoia. In scripture, it's used as our mind nine times, but also it's used as our understanding. It's also used as our imagination. So this is kind of what's going on in your head, your thoughts and your feelings. Your mind is your feelings or your way of thinking. Your mind is your way of understanding. Your mind are your thoughts, and in, when, you, when you are studying this word, the dianoia, it specifically says it is your thoughts, whether they are good or bad. So if that word means our thoughts, whether they're good or bad, but Jesus is telling us to love him with our mind with our thoughts, well then what should, we need to, what should we look to do? We should be looking to get rid of those negative thoughts, the bad thoughts, and fill our mind with the good thoughts, the pure thoughts, the loving thoughts. So um, even last week, we, we learned about purity and how it's so important that even you shouldn't joke about it, shouldn't even think those things. If you can start transforming your mind, which in Scripture, God says he will do as you get to know him. He will be the one to transform your mind, your thoughts. If you think about a certain thing or person and all of a sudden you get bitter or you get angry, God wants to transform your mind. He wants to transform your thoughts and your feelings. God wants you to use your mind to love him. And if we're going to love him with our thoughts and feelings, then we should feel God's love and we should look to help others also feel God's love. So I'm kind of throwing it in a little bit here also because God says that we need to love him with our whole heart, soul, 
and mind. This is the greatest commandment. This is the most important thing. If you were going to do anything ever with your life, you should love God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. But he also throws it in there. What you should also do is you need to love others as yourself. And I told this to our young people, but our young people are not just the ones to deal with this next thing. So listen up, everyone in the room. If you are supposed to love your neighbor as yourself, you first need to love yourself as God loves you. You first need to love yourself as God loves you. Because everyone in this room, everyone in the world is loved by God so deeply and so passionately, and he wants the very best for you. He just wants a relationship with you. God has said that you are his son and his daughter. He says that you are his heir. Everything he has, he wants to give to you. He says that you are a royal priesthood. He says that he wants to bestow his blessings upon his children. He says that you are loved and the most valuable thing, his absolute masterpiece, his absolute masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. And if you look in the mirror, you look at yourself and you start tearing yourself down, you are saying that you think God is not right. Because God says you're a masterpiece, and then you start talking bad about yourself. If you are going to uh, have, if, if you're going to be called to love your neighbor as yourself, you first need to learn to love yourself as God loves you. Because God has said that you are the very most important thing to him. You are the very most valued thing. You are the greatest treasure in God's eyes. And he loves you. He doesn't want to see you in pain. He doesn't want to see you struggle. He wants, he wants you finding the freedom that comes through what he has done for you. God wants the very best for you. And if we need to love our neighbors as ourselves, then we need to start looking to the people around us. And uh, I think we all know it, but especially our young people have taught this before. Who, who is our neighbor? Is it just Bob who lives next door? I mean, yes, Bob who lives next door is your neighbor, but he is not the only person considered your neighbor. Is it the people in your family? Yeah. Is it the people that you work with next to you in the cubicle or in your workspace? Yeah. Is it the people you go to school with, your classmates, even, even the annoying ones that keep, Mr. Salzman, you forgot to collect the homework. <laughs> even that student, uh, that, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's your neighbor too. Is it the people you're around in the grocery store, the movie theater, uh, Walmart? Yeah, pretty much anyone you come in contact with. Uh, and we can even extend that nowadays to the digital world. This is an important one too, and this one I, I didn't say to you guys earlier in the week. The way that we portray ourselves digitally, online, through whatever social medias you have, whether you're new and hip and you're on your threads, or you're still on Facebook, or you're on the ticky talky or the snappy chatty, or whatever these things are, the people that you interact with online are also your neighbors. So if you're just seeking to argue and attack and tear people down, you're not being loving. But if you're looking to share God's goodness, to encourage people, and to love, 
then that is how you can be a neighbor online. I, I think that when God wants us to love him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, he loves us so much that he wants us to align our lives with, with him. And he wants you to use those things that make you, you, to glorify him. And he wants you to step out in faith each and every day, knowing that you're not just making it through the day, but you get to live the life he has blessed you with. That you get to go out and accomplish whatever you're doing. You get to go out and interact with other people. You get to go and love on people. Sometimes it can get burdensome. Being in a world that is negative, being in a world that constantly is tearing people down, making fun of each other, just being judgmental, being rude and nasty, sometimes it can wear us down. But we have to know that we are who God says we are, not the random person online who says that whatever, my hair looks dumb or I'm wearing silly clothing. Uh, I don't, my value doesn't come from, from that. My value comes from God. And God says I have the highest value. So I shouldn't let those things wear me down. I should actually look to change or make an impact or be an influence in the people around me. So a lot of times, and it's hard to think about it this way, but a lot of times the, the people that are hurting people the most are hurting on the inside. A lot of times the people that are negative the most have a really low self-value and self-worth. A lot of times, the people that are just spitting out this hatred feel like they hate themselves. And it can be tough and it can be hard, but I think... I'm going to bring it home with this. I think that you could probably take the reverb off from worship, too. I didn't look, so it didn't happen. Um, let, me, let me bring it home with this for you guys. Uh, I think the world can, can be very heavy. I think the world can be very dark. I think the world can, can be very lost. But the world needs a, a savior. The world needs love. The, the world needs positive, encouraging words. There's life and death in what we say. And I think that you can change the world. I think that you can go into your workplace. I think you can go into your school. I think you can go to your events, your family things. I think you can go to your team situations. Uh, I think that you can go to your dance team. I, I think that you can go wherever it is that you are going and change the world by sharing the love of Jesus wherever you go. I think you can change the world by being positive when all they see is negativity. I think you can change the world by being encouraging. Someone shows up in the new outfit, oh, those are really cool pants. I, I think that you can change someone's world by giving them a compliment when all they've been doing is going through and not hearing anything from anyone and what they do hear is negativity. I think that you can change someone's world and God has filled you up with his love so that you could not just keep it to yourself but you can share it with others. 
And, and when, I, when I talk to our young people and, and we talk about the outlet, the idea of the outlet is just that, that God would fill us up so much with his love that we wouldn't be able to contain it, that it would pour out of us, that we would be an outlet of God's love wherever we go. And I don't think that you're too old to share the love of Jesus with your coworkers. I don't think that you should have to keep your mouth shut because you, you work in a secular place. I don't think that when you go online and people are just mean and rude and nasty that we should keep our mouth shut anymore. I think we should be nice and loving and caring and proclaim, proclaim the love of Jesus wherever we go. And I think that when God said to his disciples, I'm, go- I'm going back up to heaven and I put this in your hands. That has, that has made its way all the way to us. That we are supposed to be God's hands and feet in the world and we are supposed to be his mouthpiece proclaiming his goodness and love wherever we go. I think that when, once God gets a hold of our hearts and our lives and we realize that he is the most pivotal thing to us, we can, no, nothing can even shut us up because we would have to be proclaiming his goodness and his love. Let's pray. God, I ask that this morning we would stand on your word and stand on your truth that we wouldn't try to play games or even try to trick you like the Pharisees did but we would listen when you say we need to love you with our whole heart, soul, and mind. God, I pray that our innermost being, the center of who we are, we would give that to you raw so that you can transform us, so that you can clean us, so that you can make us right. God, I pray that our soul, our eternal soul, would be aligned with what you say is true and right, that our likes and our dislikes, that our affections and our aversions would honor you and glorify you. God, I pray that our minds would be transformed, that our thoughts would be pure, that our words would come out loving. I pray that we would make an impact and we would be world changers in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, and wherever we go. God, I know that you have great plans for each and every one of us, and if there is still breath in our lungs, God, we give it to you. God, I pray that you would continue to move and work in our lives. God, I pray that moments like a camp, God, I pray that words on a Sunday morning wouldn't just be for those times on the mountain or in the church building, but God, they would transform our lives wherever we go, wherever we are. And God, we commit to giving our lives to you. We commit right now, no matter the choices we've made before, right now we commit to giving our lives to you. We love you with all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.